Welcome everybody to Film House, the podcast where we talk about, honestly, sometimes film, a lot of times other stuff, um, but this week we are going to talk about something that is filmic, cinematic quality. It is a television show, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, it is the second in Marvel's television series on Disney+. Plus. Um, and it, it is, uh, recently completed and I wanted to chat about it. We got six episodes to dissect and I am joined by Elise Willems. Hey James, thanks for, I'm kind of like, well, I guess I'm kind of like original Captain America. Okay. You, I was going to say like, who, which one of us is Winter Soldier? Which one of us is Falcon? But uh-huh. I mean, nah, probably, the analogy doesn't work. I'm probably a John Walker, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I'm going to change my mind about you several times. <laughs> and, and Amy Dallin, someone who, going into this, I knew we couldn't do this episode without. <laughs> Amy, thank you for joining us again. No, I'm delighted to be back. I had such a good time talking to y'all about WandaVision. Uh, and it, I'm there's so much more to talk about. I'm mm-hmm. really excited we get to continue that conversation forward. Yeah, when does, Loki, was... when does Loki conclude? <laughs> <laughs> Did you your time on that note, did you guys see that the little there was a little teaser that came out this morning? We recorded this on May fifth, and Tom Hilston's like, "I'm Loki, so you know, I'm a hero. I can do whatever I want." And then he changed the release date of the show from Fridays to Wednesdays. Oh, wow. That tricks him, Loki! Oh my god! What, <laughs> what a trickster, can he do? Huh? Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, okay, all right, now you know people can actually make content." I- Every single, time, about it. <laughs> every single time Loki comes up, I I have to remind everyone that this is not the Loki who had a change of heart and grew to love his brother over time. It is it is not the Loki we've learned to know and love, but maybe we can learn to know and love him again. Um, but we will save that discussion for another time, <laughs> some Wednesday sometime. And, uh, and I want to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier because this, in general, just starting off, was a very different show than WandaVision, in my mm. opinion. Um, it, it And it's kind of funny because I felt like that the Marvel Universe, the cinematic universe, has basically been weird and wacky and then very grounded and, like, very serious. And it's one of those two kind of weave together that things are magical. Um, but it's nice to have both. And now we have the television shows where we had WandaVision, which I would put in the weird and wacky category, and now mm. and then followed immediately by... Falcon and Winter Soldier, which to me is is an extension of the the Captain America franchise, which is like the most grounded of them all. So I guess we can just go around the horn and just see in general what everyone thought, how everyone felt about it. At least why don't you kick yeah, us I, off? Oh me? Oh no! <laughs> I want to know what Amy thinks. All right, so you I can, can pass then, to Amy. I just so, was, so then I can be like, I yeah, agree. That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, if I toss to Amy first, then you'll just go sames. <laughs> Well, James, you go first. I'm I'm the guest. I'm sure I will not be able to stop myself from weighing in for the entire hour anyway. But how did you like it? I liked it a lot. I thought it was extremely well made. um, And I thought that ultimately at the end of it, I was like, if this show makes me like these characters more. Well, Falcon was, I always liked Sam. I always liked Sam. I didn't really care so much about Bucky. But they are both defined by their relationship to uh, Steve Rogers. And so I basically wanted to walk away from this and say, I'm excited to see what these two characters are going to do without Steve in the future. And it succeeded on that for me. Um, Broadly, I do feel like it was maybe a little bumpy along the way. There were some things where I was like, I don't Am I on board with this? And unlike WandaVision, um, which at this point, it seems like it's completely unfair to compare the two. Because they're <laughs> completely different. I mean, it's like comparing how, what did you think between uh, Breaking Bad episode five, season two, and that one Halloween episode of Roseanne. It's like, like why are we? <laughs> they're, yes, they're television shows, but why are we comparing? Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I lost my train of thought. But essentially, I thought it was good. But I, there are going to be things that I will be discussing that I, I wasn't I wasn't completely bought in on. Um, but yeah, so that's my broad take. I'm shocked that this show came out before WandaVision, or pardon me, came out after WandaVision, because you would think the natural trajectory would have been this. This is like your gateway. It feels more like a typical mm-hmm. mainline Marvel movie. It, it has like kind of grittier, uh, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier vibes to it, of course. Mm-hmm. So for to, to set the tone with WandaVision, which is this magical, <laughs> surreal, really weird left field 
more, you know, heartfelt than I think any Marvel property has ever been. And then followed up with this, I thought it was like super bizarre. Um, but I guess maybe Marvel had a plan. They had a, they had, there was a, um, you know, a, a method to the madness. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like, I love, I love Anthony Mackie a lot. And I do like, like, I like Sebastian Stan too. Uh, and, and I think their relationship makes sense because even just, you see them on in press junkets and they've done a lot of press, you know, throughout the history of Marvel. And it's like, okay, these humans, they have chemistry together. Um, I do, I do think that the show is very much like not necessarily their relationship to one another as much as their relationship to Captain America, like you said. Mm. Uh, however, I still think my favorite, like when I look at, you know, Bucky Barnes and his relationship to Captain America, it's still pre super soldier scrawny Steve Rogers and his best friend Bucky that would do anything for him in the world that like there's, you know, there's been years of super soldier cap and super soldier Bucky, but I still look back at that and think like, that's my favorite iteration mm-hmm. of their friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of like the dynamic of Bucky looking out for his non super soldier buddy with a heart of gold again, give myself goosebumps. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Elise, so poetic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, just kidding. But, uh, yeah, it definitely didn't like hit me the way that WandaVision did. And, uh, I have super high hopes for Loki, Amy. I feel like you're going to infer you're going to have all this comic background yeah. that you're going to bring to it. And you're going to, you're going to tell us like, okay, well this is why it's special for this reason, this reason. <laughs> oh, one thing I also thought was really special about this show was like the, what it did in terms of like making a, a message on, you know, obviously like race in, mm-hmm. in Marvel race and, you know, the superhero universe mm-hmm. that was extremely like valuable and valid and hasn't been said and needed to be said in America um, specifically. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm very Sorry. curious, like as as a Canadian, it's sort of like this is the stuff I assume the rest of the world already knows about us, but we're still sort of working out in public in our television shows is how mm-hmm. we've sort of chosen <laughs> to try to move forward. Um, but like bless the people sort of dragging uh, us collectively into the future by making us look at true things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I have lots of stuff I want to dive in on on those. I love what the angle you just gave uh, to the Bucky relationship in terms of, like, his desire for friendships and warming up for people and how that plays out with Sam in this series. That's really beautiful. I really liked it. Uh, I will not surprise anyone. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, by saying that, you know, coming out of Endgame, and, uh, we're going full spoilers on this, I'm just reminding myself it's okay to talk about, uh, Mm -hmm. coming out of Sam getting the shield, when I was sort of like, well, you have two choices here. Like, you can either mess this up by never following up, or you can give me some Sam Captain America content. And they were like, actually, option three. We're going to make an entire thing about him sort of doing his half of the deciding um, to mm-hmm. get to that point. And as a basic project to get him from point A to point B of deciding to adopt the role, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, like, just worked incredibly well for me uh i'm mm. very excited that i guess they i believe we have some reason to think that we will get a fourth cap movie starring him which i would like very much to see coming out of this and mm. at least to your point as i understand it i think this series was supposed to come before wandavision before filming oh. schedules made everything hmm. complicated i may be wrong about that but i remember thinking that this was going to come first at some point in the cycle yeah. Um, so they may have been inadvertently experimental uh, by leading with WandaVision, but I think that is a decision that worked out really well. Uh, yeah. I like very much that they were like, look, here, we were going to get around to this eventually. Welcome. We're doing a lot of different stuff. Um, but yeah, I would say there will be stuff in the series. There's stuff that I think like was more and slightly less successful at executing on the different goals of the many, many different things this series was trying to do. But in terms of the themes they were trying to tackle and the major journeys they were going through and the tons of characters and ideas that they have in Mm -hmm. this soup, overall, I was really happy. And I'm not super the one showing up for the great action scenes, but if you were, I have a feeling you were probably also pretty happy because there was a lot of great action in this series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this show, watching it, I was like, 
there is literally no difference between television and and going to a movie theater. <laughs> right. Like like I mean, just his his chase down of like the helicopters and stuff like that. I'm like, this is this is huge blockbuster action all taking place inside this television show. And I know that's just a framing device, but it's like that's pretty impressive. And I this is a complete aside, but when you think about they talked about the Lord of the Rings show budget being like half a billion dollars you're like oh because it's gonna be this because they already know that helm's deep is one of the best action sequences ever filmed uh, in defense it, of the lord of the rings series okay. they are filming seasons one and two back to back oh okay yeah <laughs> so some yep. of that budget will overflow okay meanwhile I, I really just thought you were bringing that up to refer to obviously the most important moment in this series which was bucky being like i read the hobbit in 1937 what do you yeah. take yeah. for he yeah, was a yeah. nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I did like. I did like, I, I always liked the like, I'm a schooling you, youngin, because I was there. I, I had a, I had a, not to derail this, but I had a, a class in university where like it was in, in uh, environmental politics. And there was this man in my class who must have been at least 80. But it, you kind of got the vibe that maybe he just like was like, I'm 80. I'm going to finish my degree because mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a badass old man. Mm -hmm. And our professor was talking about how there had never been an earthquake in Toronto that re reached a certain like point on the Richter scale. And this old man like put his hand up and he went, actually, there was in 19. Yeah. Da, da, da. And my professor yeah. was like, uh, well, you know, no, actually, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But there was not. Uh, he was French. And then. Uh, the old man said, well, I would know I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I he, knocked, was, he knocked the milkman to the ground. <laughs> it was the biggest like old man flex I had ever seen. Yeah. And I was I think the class clapped. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well. That old man was riddled with dementia, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> he was there. But uh, but yeah, so I, I do appreciate Bucky's flex. Of, yeah, I, I read the first edition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great which, stuff. I mean, yeah, it's just wonderful. It's packed full of character, which I think is a major, beyond the action, like it's packed full of character, this show. And that that is the stuff that I primarily tune tune in for, honestly, is those the character moments and the thematics and, and that those journeys, um, which gave me like moments that I really, really wanted. Uh, I don't know if the like fave moments from the series, uh, like... Bucky's flashback to getting deprogrammed in Wakanda was a really great mm -hmm. opportunity to give us like a really nice emotional look at that that we hadn't really had space for uh, mm -hmm. in the other projects while the stuff was happening in the background. Um, and like just the, the basic Sam's big arc towards acceptance and every time Sam busts out his counseling skills, I, I was mm -hmm. like waving flags in the stand. Uh, Non-flag non flags, I guess, just yeah. approval flags. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, it gave me a, a lot of moments and scenes that I really enjoyed. And and so so just just to clarify, I mean, if you haven't seen this show, you should probably not listen to this. Um, <laughs> but um, just for anyone who's familiar and is like, I don't have the time for that or not don't have Disney Plus or whatever. Um, this show is uh, six months after that sequence where Cap goes, I brought something for you. Like, <laughs> like and then like gives him the shield. And uh, and so basically what happens is that Sam had said, I can't take this on right now. And so gives it back to the government, essentially. And then the government Wrong move. Yeah. And then, which <laughs> he couldn't have possibly known. It was a personal decision. And then <laughs> the show is basically the fallout of that decision with a bunch of other baddies stuff happening along the way. Um, and Amy, you you touched on it about how this is like the six episodes are how Sam decides to take up this mantle because it would have cheapened it if he had just said thanks cap and then thrown it on his back it's like is he the right person for that like he probably wouldn't be if he said thanks cap and threw it on his back and that's mm. what this show is about and then i think something i was thinking about during the show and watching it was there is a worse version of this that would have probably been way easier, which is him assuming the mantle, but then dealing with the stuff that John Walker dealt with. Mm. You know, like that mm -hmm. could have been a worse version of this show. And I'm grateful that wasn't what it was. Right. The struggle of morality. I, I agree. I think that, you know, Marvel could have just said, oh, well, you know, Cap thinks he's the right man for the job mm -hmm. and that should be blessing enough that should give him enough uh credence and power and to, to take on the the role and assume it and not feel like an imposter if captain america mm -hmm. personally chooses and vets him but i like that it it was still just him having that internal struggle with it yeah and and really like not just like 
yes, he has you know Captain America's endorsement, but like, does he does he have his own personal endorsement to do it? Yeah, and and additionally, I think the show does a great job of never really making Sam have to sit and ask what would Steve do, because mm-hmm. like the show is actually like Steve wouldn't have to make any of these decisions. Steve is not you, Sam. And like, I think that is like one of the best things about this show is that it understands the difference. This isn't a perfect world and a perfect society. And Sam is a different character. And I think that means that when you get to the end of the show and he's standing there, you're like, he is Captain America, not the one that we saw in all those movies leading up to this point. He's a different one. But he is still very much Captain America for different reasons. And I think that, like like you were saying, Amy, we get it. If we're lucky enough to get another Captain America, I don't think that we're not going to see him again, obviously. But, yeah. like, it means that when we do, he's going to stand on his own two feet. And it's going to be great. And we'll have some idea about what it means. And I like the way that they carry forward the theme of... Like, Captain America the First Avenger is actually one of my favorite of the movies. Um, because it was sort of one of these ones that, like... What? Me too. Me too. Ah! It, it gets thrown down, and a lot of people's yeah. tier lists. It gets thrown <laughs> down to the bottom, but it's one of my favorites. And, and I like, like it a lot. I want you to tell. I want you to talk about why. But one of <laughs> one of my real quick reasons is because yeah. it feels like it is the movie made about Captain America in the world of the Marvel universe. Like it's what they show in school or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like almost propaganda, and that's why. <laughs> Tonally, I think it's so tonally different than other movies, which is why people don't like it as much. But I like it more because it feels in world in a weird hyper meta kind of way. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, you can put this on a T-shirt, but scrawny Steve makes me misty. Like, and not and not in the the the, whatever the kids think misty means on TikTok. I mean, like tear like teary eyed, Um, because it's just that pure underdog. He's got such a huge heart. Uh, uh, heart of a hero even mm-hmm. though he doesn't have the size yeah. get misty now mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, like it's it, beautiful it's a you know it's a great concept and it has been since literally before world war ii when it was being made up by frustrated artists who really disliked nazis uh and were <laughs> trying to like you know it, it was literally he was created by joe simon and jack kirby uh two jewish comic book creators who like would you know Kirby would end up actually getting drafted but it was sort of like I'm stuck here drawing pictures instead of going in and punching mm-hmm. Nazis uh and they like you know we can't us uh, I'm gonna say they did this on purpose who knows what mm-hmm. was in their minds they were trying to get paid to make comics but like mm-hmm. they made themselves a hero who got the call like yeah. to volunteer to go and do something about it in the world and on the cover of the first issue he punches Hitler in the face you know so yeah, it's yeah. it was not a subtle thing but it there's a reason it has lasted this long. And like, mm-hmm. I, I know I, I worked for many years in a comic book store and one of my favorite conversations ever was when they made the trailers for Captain America, the first adventure, uh, adventure, uh, the first <laughs> Avenger. They put that trailer out and it had kind of the gist of the story in it. And I remember talking to a woman at the comic book store uh, after that came out and she came in and she was just like, oh, I liked that trailer. Like, did they add all this stuff about, like, him being skinny and volunteering for the movie? And mm-hmm. I had this, the amazing joy of being like, no, that's that's his actual story. That mm-hmm. is the core of this idea, is, like, a good kid who wants to make a difference but not hurt people uh, gets mm-hmm. the call up and this serum re- releases something that's good inside him. And mm-hmm. for once in the history of the world, instead of power corrupting, it actually goes right. Uh, and he mm-hmm. becomes strong and able to do something about it. And yes, that level is maybe fantasy because we all know that the world is complicated. But the yeah. idea is like, hey, look, once it went right. You know, yeah. it actually well, worked out. It, in defense, in defense of it going right that one time, <laughs> The grand Marvel universe has shown us the odds of that happening pretty, pretty explicitly. And so, like, I mean, even in First Avenger, it's like we have Red Skull, we have Captain America. And like they both went through the same process. And I guess I guess you could say from the Nazi perspective, Red Red Skull was an example of it going right. But even he had his own like terror cell within the the regime. So, you know, yeah, Cap's the only time it really worked. And and what? What I love about that idea is that theme carries through in terms of Sam, uh, in terms of being like the qualities you already had are what make you the right choice to be Captain America. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's a point I heard made a lot that I really liked is that what we get out of John Walker in Falcon and Winter Soldier is essentially this is the guy that Tommy Lee Jones would have picked in Captain America, mm-hmm. the first Avenger, when he mm-hmm. was like, give me the best soldier and we'll put him on the serum and it'll work out great. Like, mm-hmm. but as we learned over the course of First Avenger, that was the wrong impulse. He was mm-hmm. not the right guy for that, whatever that other soldier's name was. Um, you needed mm-hmm. different internal qualities to be the right fit for that. And over the course of this, you know, spoilers for the TV series, John Walker's not the right fit. Sam mm-hmm. Wilson is the right fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the super serum is obviously like a big plot element and device of this show. Like we, the you know, the 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 conversation of we're making a new, you know, a new super soldier. And, and what does that look like? And, and what's the character of that person to carry this big responsibility and burden? What does it mean to be a hero without the super serum? What does it mean to be a, a group of people that were, you know, essentially like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, parallels to the Tuskegee experiments, mm-hmm. like, you know, operated on by the government with the super serum and abused and and just completely like discriminated, you know, and, yeah. and well, you uh, people people can go and look at the pyramids and go, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Steve Rogers, the pyramid. But a lot of times you don't talk about the, the suffering that went into creating the beautiful pyramids. Mm-hmm. And I think this show kind of pulls like acknowledges and it pulls back the curtain a little bit and it says like. There a lot went into this and a lot of people were hurt and sacrificed and not everyone is good as Steve. And can I say, like, I, I love that Sam, like, has his own his own just unbelievable strength beyond that super serum. And I get like why it's so significant that he didn't get the serum. A part of me was like, but maybe if Sam did get the serum, (laughs) he'd be so strong. Like what he couldn't do. Give it to Red Wing. Uh, (laughs) Oh, Red Wing on the serum. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, it is, I would have, it would have, you know, I would, I would have been like, I go, oh, I'll allow it if they, if they did, you know, <laughs> thematically, I love that they chose not to, but I also would have been like, I mean, you know, if, if he, it yeah. probably would go okay with him, I, but if I, it was his choice. <laughs> well, I was yeah. going to say, I was going to say, I was imagining a scenario where someone like hits him with it. Like, and he's like, no. And he's like, ah, and he goes, ah, and he gets hit with it. And then he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm strong now. But morally, I did not, I did not do this to myself. You see the, the syringe hits him, yeah. but then you see him like, ah, ah. And then you see the syringe filling back up with the Whoa, fluid. He's yeah. forcing it, he's nice. forcing it out of his, ah, ah, push it back. Mm-hmm. May I ask, uh, were y'all familiar at all with Isaiah Bradley before this run? I, um, Not really, I, no. I think so. He's been no. kicking around in the lore. Uh, but I just, I, how did that material work for y'all? Because that was, you know, in, in WandaVision, like when they would do things like show the twins and I'm cheering in my chair because it mm-hmm. means a ton to me, but like they haven't yeah, explained yeah. to the audience what's going on there. Um, his material is drawn from a miniseries called Truth, Red, White, and Black that was published in 2003 by Robert Morales and Kyle Baker. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a substantially similar it plays out differently obviously in the way a lot of the stuff getting adapted does um Mm -hmm. but like i remember reading that when it was new and it was one of the things that really sort of opened my brain up and taught me some Mm -hmm. stuff and made me google some stuff uh and Mm learn a little bit about the world that i hadn't known in that mini series uh but it so it was it got me real good that they actually used that material in this series how did it go for (laughs) y'all For me, like you mentioned, like the character moments earlier, your favorite stuff. Same for me. Like I appreciate a good combat sequence, but but especially with WandaVision, which is so much character moment based, like that's what I liked in this show as well. Mm -hmm. And anytime he showed up, I was super into it. Thought that those were some of the most the moments that got my attention. If I had been, you know, stopped to look at my phone for a minute, I was put it down mm-hmm. um carl only shows up on screen and you're like yes i'm uh listening uh i'm yeah, not yeah. looking away and and some of those like th- those moments where you're like oh there's more there's more d- of to this show than just you know a- buddies <laughs> these two <laughs> buddies and also like sp- you know full spoilers the the final scene where they go to the museum and the exhibit it's just like <laughs> that's the payoff of the show yeah. for, in my opinion was was like that moment yeah. you know yeah, I, I think I, that was probably the single most emotional moment for me in a show packed with emotional moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would say broadly, um, this show 
is probably the furthest reaches of my comic knowledge. Like we're getting into the 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 dead zone um, <laughs> where like I don't really know. Like I know Sam, I know Bucky, I know I know U.S. Agent and John Walker only because of Marvel versus Capcom, where he <laughs> appears as like a sprite swap of Captain America, so they could get as many characters as possible in the game. Um, I feel like there's a whole meta level to that. Like, how happy or mad would John Walker be that he's like, he's in the game, but he's just a palette swap? Yeah, yeah. The trade-off was that War Machine essentially took the place of Iron Man for a lot of those games. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but they were just like, War Machine. And so, like, War Machine is in a ton of Marvel vs. Capcom games. Oh. Um, so, so I was like, I know that, but I don't really know where it lands on the side of things. And then, you know, even stuff like the power broker, I had no idea any of that stuff. So yeah, Isaiah Bradley completely new, but it didn't really matter for me because I saw what the parallel they were drawing was. Mm. I'm familiar enough with, uh, with American history um, to know what they were going for and then have the, and I was like okay well if this is another character I like I did think oh is this a character that I'm just not familiar with um but it really didn't matter because it served its historical and and emotional purpose within the show which is to me great usage of these things you know that's, that's and that's the actual job of the show is to make sense whether or not I am sitting there being like this is the 2003 miniseries that's not actually mm -hmm. what the fiction is for um yeah. so that's very cool yeah uh, yeah the the u.s agent stuff comes uh, like the cap is also not my primary comics area so i get mm -hmm. lots of fun surprises in this stuff too but there, there were some great runs that they were definitely drawing on for this uh in the 80s mark i don't know how to say his name grunwald i think or grunwald uh wrote a run of captain america where he created the the john walker character um mm -hmm. and john walker got juiced up by the power broker took over the shield uh was way too over the top i believe hurt some people in a very 80s over the top like mm -hmm. this is what you want right audience haha -ha, i'm gonna show you what you actually should have been valuing was steve's decency this whole time yeah. um yeah. and then went on to be kind of a, a hero for things but like they stayed in some ways very close as i understand it to the the major beats of that story uh include like which was a very old school fans that i talked to were actually really thrilled about that they were not expecting that much faithful adaptation uh given mm -hmm. that usually you just transform and remix and do whatever so so we've talked a little bit around the show and uh <laughs> and i want to get more i want to make sure we can open up so we can talk about specific moments uh yeah and know, i want to ask amy about what she just said too and 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 at least gonna <laughs> follow up on that we're gonna i also want to talk about john walker as well but first let's hear a word from our sponsor on a day like no other, Victorian London is shaken to its very core when a supernatural event gives certain people the touched unusual powers. Now they're all facing grave danger, relentless enemies, and a mission that could change the world. The touched are part of something bigger, and with the touch base, you can be too. What is the touch base, you ask? It is HBO's official fan-driven The Nevers Companion podcast. You know and you love the hosts. I love them too. Barbara Dunkelman and Jessica Vasami. You've seen them here on Funhouse. Each week they dive into the incredible world and characters of the Nevers. They're going to be reacting to every jaw-dropping moment. They have in-depth conversations with special guests from the show, theorize about what might come next, and they're just as we know, delightful and wonderful to watch and hang out with. You can hear the latest episode of The Touch Base uh, after each new episode of The Nevers, which airs on HBO Max, and it started April 11th, so if you haven't been watching, you can catch up now. And you can find The Touch Base on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, HBO YouTube, HBO Max, or wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe now at the link in the description so you don't miss an episode. This episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by Candid. Do you ever feel self-conscious about your smile? Well, you don't have to. People are using Candid, the clear, comfortable, practically invisible aligners to straighten their teeth, and now they love their smiles. Just like Sharon H. in Pittsburgh, PA, who said, I wore braces as a teenager, flash forward 30 years, I had crowding on the bottom, and one of my teeth actually stuck out. That's when I moved forward with Candid, and I finally got my confidence back and Candid can help you fall in love with your smile too. Treatment is prescribed and monitored by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. The average Candid treatment is just six months and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. Listen, 
there is an option for you if you feel like you don't like the way your teeth look or you don't like your smile. Check out Candid because it's way less expensive and it's gonna be way more comfortable than big burly metal braces. Um, it can straighten your teeth fast and help you learn to love that smile again. Become your best you. Straight, straighten your teeth today, right now, and you can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco.com slash filmhouse and use code filmhouse. That's candidco.com slash filmhouse, code filmhouse. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash filmhouse, code Filmhouse. Amy, you mentioned earlier that you kind of had this roller coaster relationship with John Walker where you were like, <laughs> it's like a will they, won't they? Kind of like, do I like him? Do I not like, like, do I have empathy for him maybe even? Uh, where was your head at with that? Oh, it was a, a whole journey. Uh, I... I'm, I'm familiar with the fact that John Walker, like, goes on a journey and ends up being more or less a good guy, which probably made me extra critical of him throughout. Uh, like, first of all, just to put it out there, wonderfully played by Wyatt Russell, who does not deserve any personal hate for being good at playing John Walker. I, I, I would like to throw a secondary shout out to the casting director, because yes. the first time you see John Walker... <laughs> like step out in that uniform you're like i want to punch that face yeah! which is only so much to wyatt russell's like he he that's just how he looks right someone had <laughs> to, to counter someone had to go uh, to through counter amy's point and say, <laughs> i don't think we've bullied joffrey from game of thrones enough Okay. Uh, if we can, if we can go, I know he's kind of retired from acting, uh -huh. and he's just you know he opened his shop in in the UK, right? But I just think we can go, we can go okay. back to that already. <laughs> All right, okay. fair enough. Because he didn't, the, he played that part too mm -hmm. well. Yeah, the borderline between and, fiction and, and reality, we'll just smash yeah. it all the west of the rest of the way yeah. down. Mm -hmm. um, but only be for the bad stuff. For it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I yes, I thought I thought they did for the most of the show I thought they did a really great job having me exactly where they wanted me in terms mm -hmm. of like I immediately didn't trust him and then he yeah. kind of wasn't as bad as he seemed and you could sort of see where he was coming from in a way that was interesting for Sam and Bucky and then you watched him struggling and insecure and trying to throw his weight around and like in the you know they had to sort of choose their moments because again they were doing so much in this show but they got so much uh, storytelling economy out of moments like him throwing around Captain America and the guy in Munich being like, don't care, um, mm -hmm. and him not handling that well. And then him obviously getting real insecure about getting beat up by the Doras, an mm -hmm. instantly legendary well, moment that was so revealing about him as a character. Uh, I, and I, sorry. sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much, guys. There's so much in this show. I, can I just say, I haven't seen a single person make a decapitation America joke. Wow. So You're the first. I don't know if any... I don't okay. know if any of you have, either of you have, but it's like, it was, mm -hmm. maybe because people wanted to avoid spoilers, but it was right for the picking. <laughs> we all know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, yeah, like, yeah. and I got, I never got fully back on board with him after he, you know, freaked out and beat a man to death on the street. Um, yeah. Uh, the I mean, that is kind of, and again, I like the show, but there, like I said at the beginning, there were some things that were for me rough patches, and I think his trajectory and the jarringness of it was like one of those rough patches. It ties into some other aspects of the show, which are like, I wasn't sure where the accountability was for any, like, I didn't know who was sending whom where. Mm. Like, Bucky and Sam would be like, let's go check this out. And then they would be in Eastern Europe somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then he would show up in a Jeep. And I'm like, who, like, I don't know who's coordinating this. Like. And not that I want to get into the weeds on the bureaucracy of the governmental system, but it was weird because he's like, you're getting in my way. And I'm like, wait, so are you just a vigilante too? Like, it was just, and I feel like you needed some of those checks to be like, is he actually working outside of the U.S.'s agenda? Mm. Like, is he, is he, or, or whatever, is he actually being rebellious or, because that adds a whole nother layer. If you think, if there's a scene where someone says to John, find him and kill him, and then he does just that, and then there's another scene of him getting stripped of, of uh, like, all of his achievements and said, you're out of the military, you get no pension, you committed your whole life to this and you're done for, right. then that, like, adds a different layer. So it's like, there were some things that I felt like that might have been missing on the clarification of why he felt this need, because... 
the insecurity stuff, all that worked. But yep. there were certain other things where it's like, why? I don't know why he was so invested or like why he was making some of the decisions he was making and for whom, because it didn't seem like he was making it necessarily for himself. You know, it was, he wasn't like Judge Dredd. So, you know, it was weird <laughs> stuff. But I, I, I definitely agree that one of the areas where I would have loved even more time with the show was to sort of make clear, like, you know, Sam is also a former soldier and he's still doing contracting and he's calling Joaquin, uh, who's another comics character, for help. But it's sort of unclear, like, like you said, I was never 100% sure, like, are you on a job right now? Are you allowed to be on this jet? Are you, like, mm -hmm. if we're making a critique of power structures, how do you currently fit into it? Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was... The, the major beats of John worked for me in that way. It just, it did, it did tend to undercut, like, the sadness of him getting stripped of his titles, that it was sort of unclear, you know, I felt like I really watched him lose it in ways that were yeah. specific to him and not just the circumstances he was put in. Although, like, I love that they were, again, I love the themes they were working with. I love that they were trying to do uh, a critique of institutional cultures in the government and mm -hmm. the military. They were just trying to do a whole lot of things, and it was sort of, I, I would have loved, like, 22 episodes. You probably could have gotten me fully to root for John Walker doing the right thing in the last episode. It just happened yeah. real quick, because we had well, six. Yeah. You, you t just real quick, you talked about Tommy Lee Jones in the first Avenger, right? And I think that maybe this show needed that, because John Walker was essentially surrounded by pretty good people, you know? Or you introduced Julie Louis Dreyfus earlier in the show. Like, even her <laughs> agenda is unclear. She's like, like, but like, um, by design. But I feel like maybe you needed some other character trying to push him in a direction because that senator he, leaning on him to be like, get results, or we're taking the the shield yeah. away. Like, because he, like, he obviously had personal stakes, but he was also surrounded by like really good supportive people. Like his wife was supportive and his partner was like incredibly supportive. You R.I.P. Right, Lamar. Yeah. Who's, but and like so you always like, make great decisions. And I was like, we don't see one until the final episode. But I believe yeah. that you believe that, Lamar. But it's like, why do they <laughs> see that in him necessarily? And, you know, some people are just some people are just screwed. Um, and maybe John Walker's just screwed. But it, it was weird to imagine he got to this point hiding something like hiding mm -hmm. some sort of tendency himself unless it was like ingrained in him through him reaching this point that he needed to achieve something in a certain way and the only way to achieve it was through these more aggressive means or something like that that was i mean I that did, was my I, only critique i did also think maybe it was trying to to make a commentary on ptsd mm. yeah. in soldiers in the military obviously like the he gets put into the situation and and there's that you know yeah, he, he clearly has baggage and mm -hmm. they, they allude yeah. to that baggage, but it, it didn't seem like it seemed like that was like a known factor. So I don't know. I was waiting for some some other shoe to drop before he got to that breaking point. Um, Weirdly, like I, I felt like his journey to going over the edge made sense to me. I, so I don't know what I what I'm asking for that they didn't give me because I loved that they talked about his, how he has mixed feelings about his own accolades. I mm -hmm. loved that they referred to sort of the things he was trained for. I love that they painted the picture with like with him being a winning high school quarterback that this is a guy mm -hmm. who was just he was the best he was the best he was the best and he couldn't handle not being the best. Mm -hmm. But somehow when you put them all together, I didn't totally feel like I tracked um, mm -hmm. enough to sort of. He's so likable when he's happy about his outfit at the very end. And I'm like, I just like yeah. you now because you're very happy. But I do still feel like maybe you are dangerous and you didn't have the dark night of the soul that you probably should have had about the thing you just yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, Amy, what was your reaction to the Baron Zemo inclusion? <laughs> uh... This Baron Zemo was a very different Zemo from the one we got in Civil War. Um, and I like them, although I'm not sure how well they sort of fit together. Because um, mm -hmm. in Civil War, he's very much, I'm an everyman. And yeah. in this one, I'm sort of like, you are delightful and I love to watch you, but I can't take your critique of power seriously while you're on your private jet. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just a me thing. Uh, but also, yeah. <laughs> like, as a, as a comic book fan, it was really fun to watch him be more Baron Zemo-y. Um, mm -hmm. To be like, I, I believe you're going to maybe possibly put together a team of supervillains at some point. That could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Where, where did y'all come down on Baron Zemo other than just he's real fun to watch? 
he is funny. He's cartoonishly fun, um, <laughs> which may be like in the this, which is a grittier, realer world. It's mm-hmm. a little, you know, he's yeah. he's eccentric uh, villain. It, it, it's fun. I like, you know, it, it maybe wasn't like the cameo that would have put it over the top for me. <laughs> but I, he's fun. To, like, like he's fun to watch. Way more than a cameo in this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I completely agree. If Civil War didn't already establish that, like one of the major th- who, because the whole thing about Civil War is who could topple this, and mm. then the and thing is some really angry guy who you didn't even realize that you screwed over and whose life was left in shambles after something that you didn't even bat an eye at, right? Like that's a huge part of civil war and the themes of that movie. So when then you reverse it and you go, well, actually, I mean, actually, no, he was an evil genius. It's kind of like (laughs) the saw movies, right? Like the first saw movie is like, who could, who could devise these crazy things? These, this crazy serial killer. And it's like just a man dying of cancer who really had a lot of anger for people who didn't appreciate their lives, right? Like it's kind of a weird subdued thing, but it's almost scarier and more intimidating that way. But then mm. when you get into saw five, six, seven and eight, and you're like, he's still alive and he's like a God and like, he just likes doing it because it's fun. You're like, well, okay, some we- of them it's his apprentices. That's fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I didn't want, I didn't want to cross saw. I know at least is a spiral head is a term. <laughs> um, so that being said, This Zemo was more fun and I think came into the show at a point where it was needed because Sam and Bucky weren't fun. They're serious. They were very serious. And it wasn't even like good cop, bad cop or like straight man and funny man. They were both kind of like down in the dumps justifiably because of where their characters are. And so for this guy to show up and be like, hey, why so serious? Kind of like in a fun way. And like, let's hop on my private jet and like go around here. I got a purple hood for no reason. Like, <laughs> like, and and so I, I do think that I appreciated him in this, but it was weird. I wonder if there was, maybe they should have picked another character for Civil War. There's no way to go back in time in hindsight, but like mm. maybe they should have picked someone else for Civil War if this is where they wanted to go for Zemo. And everyone was super casual about like breaking him out and like, only half keeping track of his whereabouts because <laughs> like i mean just for me i was like you did really really screw over wakanda like i know i like you in this show but like you are a terrorist completely yeah. in in the international scheme but especially to the people of wakanda and i would be pretty pissed off like if they were just like hey just hanging out with them so I will say that I, that you you've laid out I think the reasons why he was a great choice for this show in terms of the mm-hmm. fact that uh, it absolutely set them up to need like that conf- to to have that conflict with Wakanda who, which allowed them to bring Bucky's backstory set the thing for Sam's suit and give mm-hmm. them a really effective sort of force that they needed to work with slash against in like. Plot-wise, that stuff all laid down perfectly. And personality-wise, he was a great foil for Sam and Bucky to sort of have these Mm -hmm. conversations uh, to sharpen, like, you know, because I love, look, I love Captain America making big moral speeches and having a Zemo to sort of argue against throughout before you get to your final speechifying uh, Mm -hmm. to help him refine his perspective and be like... Do I agree about what this means about power? Do I agree about these dangerous tendencies? Do I, like it all laid that groundwork for his big final speech to the powers that be, which I was a big fan of. Um, so honestly, it it did work for me a lot more than it didn't. Like his, mm-hmm. I was ready for him to give up his thing against super soldiers and just juice himself up and be a, a supervillain. But mm-hmm. I loved that they were like, nah, we went down this path. He's going to smash it. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will set up yet another, which I liked as a pattern, another somebody refuses to take revenge against Zemo scene. Um, which obviously <laughs> yeah. one of the best moments in Civil War is yeah. T'Challa being like, I'm actually better than that. And yeah. for Bucky to be like, I actually have arrived at my own. I am better than that. You yeah. can't control me. I'm I'm all over the place. But I, yeah. he worked a lot more than he didn't for me. Yeah, for sure. And again, I think yeah. it's when you look outside of the these six episodes that you start to find like, oh, that's weird. But I, he's <laughs> and consistent. I didn't really... <laughs> I didn't really think about giving Bucky that growth moment. So that's a really, really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) They did some, some, like, I, I, Sam is my whole heart in this series. And I think that the reasons I'm so happy about it are mostly that it worked for what I wanted it to do for him. But some of the stuff they did with Bucky, I thought was 
sort of surprisingly subtle. Like, I didn't even notice until someone pointed it out that, like, he sleeps on the floor in his own house, but when he finally gets to Sam and Sarah's place, he can sleep on a couch and he's sleeping mm. through the night. Mm-hmm. Like, just little, yeah. like, showing him smiling, being honest about his nightmares to Sam. Mm-hmm. Like, his arc happens sort of in the background, but I thought it was really powerful. Yeah, I agree. Him showing up to, like, the boat party. Like, I brought corn or whatever. Like store-bought cake, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah store-bought cake. Like, it, it, that stuff is really, really good. And like you said, I, it is tough. It is six episodes, which really isn't a lot. And no. and I'm glad that it, what at, I'm sure in the writer's room they got a point there. Like, we only have time for Sam or Bucky. And they, uh, they it feels like every single time they chose Sam, which is the right move. Because this is, this is Sam's show. Bucky is in it. He's on the title. But it is Sam's show. And I think that's the way it should be because it's stronger for it. Um, but yeah, it, there are so many subtle things that like happen in the background that are, I feel like a second viewing would help a lot. Um, James, I you said we can't talk about it, but Loki is six episodes as well. Yeah, but Loki only has one name on the title. So you know, <laughs> we've seen that six episodes can work for one. <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to say one more thing about Zemo. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about like, I'm not sure who's in charge right now in the in the status of the MCU because it starts with him in a prison that they break him out of a prison and then he and then they're like at the end they're like we're taking you to the raft and I'm like what he was already in prison right like what who (laughs) is there some sort of reason did did Wakanda not want him kept in that other prison and why do they feel the need to transfer him and is this a worse prison because technically he was broken out he didn't break himself out and I feel like he shouldn't be held accountable for that at like if a prisoner breaks out of a minimum security prison then yes you have to put them in a harder prison but he was helped by Bucky to get out and so i was like i was like i don't feel like he should I mean, have he to bear was the burden. involved yeah but i mean still i feel like he shouldn't have to bear the burden of now going to an even worse prison or better <laughs> i don't know it's just it was just a weird thing where they were like that's it zemo you're going to prison and he's like yes that's where i was a couple weeks ago <laughs> he's like um, i love prison <laughs> yeah um but i thought it was funny i also think that he served a good purpose because he in in a weird way was a better parallel for Carly, right? Mm. Um, Which is good. I think that Marvel has historically had a, we talked about this on the WandaVision uh, podcast, where it has historically had an issue with just basically taking their main character, putting a mirror in front of that character, and then now they have their villain, right? So the features are reversed, and maybe their colors are a little bit of a different hue. but that wasn't the case in this show, and I was grateful for it um, because it felt like Zemo and Carly were like the weird flip-flops of each other, kind of. Um, that being said, I would love to hear your thoughts on on her, both of you, on on her and her as a villain in this show, um, what you thought about that. I should say Amy, antagonist. Please. I love the, uh, the. I had not thought about specifically contrasting her with Zemo. I think she almost also has an interesting parallel arc to John Walker because mm. they both are at least sort of the. We're kind of supposed to like them. We're kind of supposed to understand that they're making bad decisions, but she and John are both like, please do the right thing. Oh no, you didn't. Uh, like the, the sort of, it's going wrong in both of those cases. Um, and Mm -hmm. although Sam retains a ton of sympathy for her, the show is very clearly what, like just showing her escalating, uh, kind of freaking out the people around her. I will say, okay, my overall thoughts on Carly, I, I thought she was really fun to watch. Uh, I struggled with understanding exactly i understood thematically what the conflicts were about Mm -hmm. but i struggled to figure out the exact stakes uh of Mm -hmm. what was going on and the situation reality and they chose to sort of slowly roll it out to us over the course of the episode so it was like four or five before i was really getting Mm -hmm. the okay everybody came back and then they kicked out the new people and then i'm i'm starting i i would have loved to sort of get all of that right off, although that might have been so exposition dumpy that, like, people who needed the, the, mm-hmm. to sort of be drawn in, would it would have been a trade-off there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
so I, I wish I'd had sort of a clearer sense of my own of where that stuff all landed from the start so I would kind of understand a little better, like, what they were fighting over and not just why I might understand her perspective. Because the whys made a lot of sense to me. Like, yeah. was, you know, in general, I think if you're paying attention to anything, you can sort of understand that, like, trying to take better care of refugees and change the way power structures deal with the powerless, those mm -hmm. are incredibly timely themes. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was very on board with those, broadly speaking, but I did struggle with some of the specifics. That being said, I think one of my favorite series in the whole, scenes in the whole thing is when Sam almost gets through to her before John messes yeah. it up. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I Elise, what are you, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I like that actress, and I thought she did like a really great job, like compelling to watch. And I agree with Amy that the parallels are super important. And I something that these these you know post Endgame series have been doing, which is giving us a glimpse of life. You know, the, the alternate like people coming back from the snap, what the ramifications of that were and just the lives of average people or other people like I really, really like that. The, this the, the story of the Flag Smashers and everything didn't really like it was not really the stuff that I when they were coming on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I can't wait to mm -hmm. to, find, you know, figure out more of what's what's going on here. It just wasn't really my, yeah you know, highlight of this show for me. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, what I, I agree with both of you, shocker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought she was, gave a great performance. Oh yeah. Um, Cause I think that like what you were saying, Amy, she's really sympathetic. Like she, she makes a case for herself. The only problem is that then there's a scene of her like car bombing stuff. And like, people are like, please don't do this, Carly. And she's like, what, like, not whatever, because she's a better actress than that. Yeah. But she's like, she's like, kind of like tears in her eyes, whatever, you know, like. Yeah, they um, have a scene where they're listening to the news broadcast being like, and a random workman was there and he had a babies and he's dead now. And it's sort of yeah. like, okay, that's you. You cross that horizon, I guess. Yeah. And you're all, it's also unclear what she wants it's it's a shame because i think sam does a better job explaining what she's after than she really ever does in the show mm. um because i was confused too um and took me a while to like which what does she actually want thanos when thanos says i'm gonna take out half of everything you're like got it <laughs> clear <laughs> um but she like yeah, had been displaced. And it wasn't until the very end of the series when Sam is like talking to that politician and they're like, Sam, there's a lot of red tape. And he's like, no, do it. The, like you have the wealth, you have the power, you can figure this out. Just figure it out. That's your job. Yeah, it might be hard, but go figure it out because actual people suck. And it's like probably better that Sam said that because he's the hero and he's the one who had to filter her kind of chaos into something that makes sense. Right. Um, but it's a shame because you don't get that until she's already gone. Yeah. And, and, and also her methods were unclear. Like I was, it was unclear to me how stoking the flames of fear were going to achieve her goals in those kinds of mm. ways. Like it wasn't like she was trying to create an independent nation for herself and people like her, you know, very, a very comic booky thing, which I don't even know if that would have worked, but like, <laughs> That wasn't what she was going for. She was just kind of like blowing stuff up Upset. and like like threatening people's lives and like and then I also wasn't crazy about the fact that they just had power serum and like I get it, but Steve Rogers had still had to learn how to be like a good fighter and a good hero. Like he didn't just go like boom, all right, I know kung fu, which is like a weird thing that like you have a bunch of pretty regular kids who like take the power serum and now they're like going hand to hand with someone who is a trained fighter. I'm like, I would have liked to see something else there where it's like, yeah, she can rip a, uh, she can rip a parking meter out of the ground, but do any of them know what to do with it when they have it? Um, mm -hmm. would have been That's an interesting. interesting dynamic. I would have loved um, to see more time with some of the flag smashers. Cause they were like the people around her, the little glimpses we got of like them starting to disagree with each other, questioning her methods, being inspired by her. They were interesting enough that I would have watched more of that, like mm -hmm. their training, their plans, all that yeah. stuff. Um, I had, they, they got me real good. They really bonded me to, uh, I think Nico was his name. The one who is, mm -hmm. uh, shortly before he gets murdered by John yeah. Walker. Yeah. Um, uh, like the whole plot line, I got, I got 
off topic, slightly obsessed with the idea that they're visiting his granddad's grave and his granddad was like in the Latvian resistance. And I was like, Bucky might have known your granddad. Yeah. If we could have 22 episodes, I want that scene where you guys yeah. put that together. And it and like, yeah. I, there, yeah. there wasn't room. But uh, but yeah. all, the Flag yeah, Smashers Bucky were said, interesting to me. Yeah. Mm. Bucky says, you look familiar. <laughs> yeah. That's, and it's not, I mean, it's not that he recognizes him. Yeah. That's the thing with the whole show is that even something for me like that, which wasn't it didn't land how I wanted it to land. And uh, it still like was paid off weirdly. Like that's the probably one of the amazing things about the show is that like even if it is the kind of thing where the flag smashers are doing stuff and I'm like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know that I care when that thread comes to its end. I'm like, oh, great payoff. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, great payoff, which is like a really hard thing to do in some ways. I would yeah. tend to agree, despite mm -hmm. the fact that it being like, I'm not 100%, but I still somehow do really care how it all comes out and was happy mm -hmm. to be like, once I finally was like, oh, there's a boat and they're being really callous and they're going to shove them out with soldiers and somebody needs to talk sense to them, but you also can't let somebody blow up a van full of senators. Got it. I'm yeah, on yeah. board. That makes yeah. sense to me. It just took me a while to get there. Yeah, I, I would say my final question to both of you is, is Captain America on the moon? <laughs> Do we know? Um, I hope so. You can you can you phrase it in a way that asks if I'll tell you whether or not I think Captain <laughs> America's on the moon. <laughs> James, you must know. Can and can you tell us? Wait, <laughs> never mind. <I'm> right <laughs> <laughs> either way i James, turn James, i turn and i look us? off and i go nope i don't think i will <laughs> um, tell us can you tell us if captain america's on the moon no that's not doesn't work out nope i don't think i can <laughs> uh, um yeah i feel like we could spend a lot more talk we're, we're, we're already coming up on an hour um I want to just kind of like go around and just like any final thoughts, anything we haven't already dug into. I mean, there's so much. There's a ton of stuff here. Sharon. Yeah, yeah. All this stuff. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot <laughs> in this show. And pretty incredible for six episodes. They done Sharon Carter dirty. Did they? I, but she's like, I was, that's another thing. Like, again, fringes of my comic book knowledge. And then it was like, Sharon Carter's the power broke. I remember asking someone, it was like episode three or four. I was like, are we, what's the deal with the power broke? Are we just, that's just faded into the background. It seems like, and then of course it turns out that Sharon Carter is the power broker. Mm. And for, I, but I had also seen that everyone who was familiar was like, well, yes, she is the power broker. This is not a shock to me. Is that, is that actually true? So I'm curious about that, because as far as I know, she never officially had the name. It might have happened somewhere that I just took my eyes off of for a second, because there's mm -hmm. many, many things I haven't read. Um, she did, there are at least, there are notable uh, points at which, like, I believe there was a Mark Wade run in the 90s where she's very disillusioned and feels abandoned. Um, mm. But I don't know if she ever went, like, super outright villain turn. Um, mm -hmm. And that might just be, there's actually a lot of stuff that's been done in the last couple of years that I need to catch up on uh, that, that might have set this mm -hmm. up specifically. Um, so shout out to me needing to catch up. Please, I guess, tweet at me if you're like, um, hello, it was the second arc of Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, and I will make sure to do my homework. If you're furious because Amy hasn't read every comic known to man, tweet, tweet at us. Because, go, boy, she had it. Yeah. How dare she? How dare she? Um, um, I will, I was like. The apple has fallen far from the tree, though, Sharon. <laughs> that was my that was my reaction. Whether or not there is something out there in the comics that that better justifies that, I was like, I was still like, Peggy would be very disappointed in you. What about Uncle Steve? And Uncle Steve I... as well. Who you who you're, that uncle who you made out with that one time? <laughs> <laughs> I I was very interested in the sort of the the bigger swing, and I have to like my desire for everyone to be great all the time and nothing sad to ever happen to a character occasionally runs into me having to admit that good stories are good stories. So my initial impulse when we met her and she was all mean and they had that great line, she kind of sucks now. Uh, my initial impulse was to feel defensive of Steve to be like he would never. Leave her mm -hmm. just hanging in the wind. Um, but I was forced to admit that, like, 
had he done so, it does make for a really interesting story and a really good reason for her to be mad. And are they paving the way for future twists and turns? Maybe? Do you know from the comics who her her parents of anyone of significance or anything? Or I don't remember them doing much with her parents, but partly because her family tree was weirdly not a huge deal until they accidentally made Peggy Carter uh, an immortal legend in the mm-hmm. movies. Because okay. Peggy Carter was really a footnote uh, okay. in Marvel. Sharon gotcha. was the main character, the on-again, off-again of Steve, and so I'm sure they did stuff with her family over time. Mm-hmm. Uh again kept being kind of on the fringes of my knowledge but it was not usually sort of like you know peggy's just she's really important now because they Mm -hmm. rolled a natural 20 on executing on when they brought her into the film and we all were like well we're reshaping the universe because this is too good to ignore um also she's the best what if captain america (gasps) she's the best she's the best yeah it's i don't know i because this is so I play Marvel Puzzle Quest. It's a match three game. It's essentially Bejeweled, but it's all Marvel stuff. And sometimes I learn about Marvel things from that. Like a lot of, remember when you were talking about WandaVision and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that character looks like the costume of uh, of Wiccan or whatever. That's only, <laughs> I've never read a single comic that has Wiccan in it, but I have that character in my game. And they were doing like a Captain America celebration. And so a bunch of different mobile games had a special version of Captain America and Marvel Puzzle Quest got Peggy Carter. What happened if she got the serum and she was chosen? And it's like one of the best designed pieces of art. Like it looks incredible because it has that like World War II aesthetic for Captain America, but then it's also Peggy Carter. It's just like extremely well done. And I guess that is now becoming one of the what if scenarios for the what if series is Peggy Carter as Captain America. Um, yes, and a shout out to, I, I, I'm I not sure, I think Puzzle Quest might have come, like, I think the video game side might have designed her first, but then they, they used her in uh, Exiles, which was cool. this wonderful uh, series about dimension hopping uh, mm-hmm. that was a, had a relatively recent run, and she had a great story in there, and now I think they're taking both of those mm-hmm. as sources. They've got good people on the game side, and they love their comics lore, uh, yeah. and I'm consistently impressed by it, Yeah, but I, should, I need to play more Puzzle Quest. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me know if you need any tips or you need to talk to anyone about it. Um, oh, yay! <laughs> uh, Elise, any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, you don't have to. No, I mean, I, I'm Marvel. I mean, even though it, like I didn't love it as much as WandaVision, it's still really amazing, and uh, I'm excited for Loki. Like, mm-hmm. we're yeah. getting these these quality series. I don't, it, I don't really feel like I'm missing Marvel movies right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it. honestly, like I'm excited for Black Widow, but it is pretty impressive. These these shows are not holdovers when it when, you know, all those the the fanfare, the Disney Plus stuff came out. It felt like, oh, this is going to be really cool. But it also felt like this is just kind of going to be holdovers till we get our next yeah. Doctor Strange, and it, our next. And it's maybe you know, nursing some fatigue that we have after phase yeah. three. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's this. But these really are not. These are. I think really well made shows with really, really talented people. And I, and they don't hold on to what's happening in the cinematic stuff. So dramatically, like these are not like Iron Man twos where they can only set up things and they can't actually make moves because they can't push over the, the Jenga tower. That is everything. Um, but they are like really carving out their own worlds and stuff too. I don't know. It's it's really impressive. I think it's really cool. So I love that they made space for an entire how he decides to pick the shield back up series with cool training montages, and they were also like, and also we're gonna make you think about banking inequalities and American history. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. But yeah. they pulled it yeah. off, and it was great. Yeah, very true. Um, well, that is as much as we it's kind of like the show only had six episodes to do a lot and probably could have done more. We only have an hour to talk about it. Um, we could dig into this. I'm sure there's so many other. I feel like there's other stuff we could talk about. I really like thinking about the world. And like you said, we didn't even talk about uh, Valentina. Um <laughs> And she, so, you gotta Google her. Google her okay. '60s looks. She's right. she was a, a a super spy. Like she's got a thing with Nick Fury. It, there's so many great possibilities. Okay, I will. I'll I'll dig into that because I was genuinely curious. I had no had no idea who she was portraying. I thought she was just Selena Meyer. Honestly, I thought Selena <laughs> Meyer is in the MCU, which I'm okay with. Um, but 
Thank you everybody for watching and listening. Amy, we love having you on. We're gonna have you every single time we can have you on. Loki's coming down, but where can people find more of you? Oh, thank you so much. I have such a great time coming on here and rambling my face off about this stuff. It's just fun to talk to you all about this. Uh, you can find me at Enthusiamy everywhere, and you can now find me talking one of my other nerd fave things all the time over at Fandom Tabletop and D&D Beyond, where I have come on uh, as a content producer over there, and I get to make lots, lots more rambling nerd content. So find me on Twitch, find me on Twitter, and find me on D&D Beyond and Fandom Tabletop. <laughs> That's awesome. It's Thank new. You I'm so excited much. every time I say it. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's you great. should be. I'm that's excited awesome. for you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Please check that out. Elise, also, thank you. Thank you for being yeah. here, Elise. Thanks for having me. And happy belated. <laughs> I don't know how belated uh, it'll be when people are listening to this, but happy is birthday. <laughs> and happy early birthday to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is that, that weird downtime between both of your birthdays that I've lived through and then, so, and many, and Jake gets, so many years. Jake gets thrown in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, let's not talk about Jake. Uh, <laughs> we've mentioned Jake, which means it's time to go. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening. We'll see you next week with another episode of Film House. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.